What's up, y'all? Muchísimas gracias for tuning in to Hello Latino, for being here. So excited to share this conversation with you. I had an honor of sharing the space with Nadia El Hawari, a storyteller who's all about passing on wisdom from her ancestors. She is both Egyptian and Guatemalan, but the hood raised her. And in this episode, she talks about her city, Pasadena, and how it feels more like home than any country. Nadia says she's always reminded of Nib when she says to invest in our hoods, grow the hoods, and own the block. Nadia is an activist for the black and brown community and especially women, but when she's not fighting for her community, she's investing in self-love and using ancestral practices to keep her grounded in this world. Hope y'all enjoy this beautiful, authentic, and raw conversation with my girl Nadia. Que disfruten. And then it was just like one thing, it was, you know, the, that saying that's like, when it rains, it pours, like, that's what I was feeling my life like in the moment. And I was like, what is going on? That's crazy, for real. When you were talking, I got chills for some reason. I don't know. I don't know if I could like feel your pain or what, but it sounds like that was a hella rough year. Yeah, girl. I think I also just resonate with like, when it rains, it pours, like that shit is deep. That happened to me at the end of last year. Like I had COVID, I fell in love, I got my heart broken, like so many things mm. that happened in like the span of three months and it like it made me I was like I can't believe my mental health went from like a 10 to like a three in the matter of a couple months like I mean now I'm like thriving but I'm like I'm like thankful I went through that but I'm like god damn like when it rains it pours <laughs> it really does and like one thing that I think that you and I have in common just from like what I've been seeing of Again, I mean, like social media, you don't know the whole person, but I've known you like, you know, enough where I feel like I can kind of get your vibe and catch it. But one thing that I feel like you and I have in common is like, I feel things so deeply, like I feel mm. it to my my core, like I feel it to my bones. And I just it kind of it can overwhelm me sometimes. Like I really can just sit in those feels and I have to consciously tell myself like, all right, like I've done enough reflecting. I need to kind of get out of this funk and just do and just be. Mm. I hear you on feeling deeply. I feel like not a lot of people really understand like what that means. Like I was trying to like describe it to my sister, but it's like difficult to describe to someone. Like I tried to tell people like my nervous system, if you want science behind it, like my nervous system is set up differently. <laughs> like I be trying to tell yeah. people like, if you're rational and logical and can't understand, let me tell you in some scientific terms, like, I don't know, but I hear I you. I can't even so explain it in scientific terms. I'm just like, I just feel a lot. Like, I overfeel. Like, some people overthink. I just overfeel, I feel like. That is actually, I love, I'm like, I love the way you just said that. I overfeel. I love that. I do. I do. But enough about all of the things that we grew through and all <laughs> the things that we continue to grow through. I think it's a never-ending cycle. But... I want to dive deep into your story, girl, because one of the reasons I really wanted you to be on this podcast was to talk about identity. And I think that's like a big term for a lot of people in our community, not just the Latino community, but black and brown communities is really coming into your own identity and living it out, right? Like in the most authentic way possible. So I know you, again, you are super raw. You are open about how you identify about repping your city and repping where you come from. So I feel like 
I was just like, I need her on my podcast. I need her to talk about these things because like we need more women like you in our community who are, again, going back to where we came from and giving back to the community. So let's start with some with the first question. And that is how do you identify and why? So, you know, what's interesting. I think people think I'm firm in my identity, but actually my identity is one of the most vulnerable things for me. Um, and you probably didn't expect that. And you probably didn't expect that didn't. answer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm uh, I'm Egyptian and Guatemalan, um, but I always say like I don't feel like I belong to a country because I didn't I wasn't raised in those countries. I feel like I belong to the hood, which is very interesting. But I feel like this my city is just as a part of me as Guatemala and as Egypt. Like I feel like Pasadena is as a part of me as those countries. And um, I identify as a brown woman. And I kind of have a lot of conflict about that. Like, I don't know, a couple years ago, I, I stopped saying Latino, Latina, Latinx because I think that I just was like, I feel like it doesn't encompass my Egyptian side. Like when you're biracial, people do not understand the internal struggle you have. Like, <laughs> it is like, it is like, you feel like you have to choose. You feel like if I say Latina, that means I'm, I'm erasing my whole African side. I'm erasing my whole Egyptian side. And then it's like, this other side where I just want to be really transparent with you, like this other side where it's like, oh, like I'm North African, but I don't look black, but my ancestors are black. So there's all these different like complexities and dynamics. Like, can I be Afro-Latina? Like, it's very, um, mm. I think identity is so complex and so interesting. Um, but I do overall, I will say that the term brown feels very like it resonates with me deeply. Like, I feel like a brown woman. Um, so that's a term that I just use and it feels like an umbrella term for all my identities. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to go deeper into it because I think I always say like identity is it's what you most resonate with, but it can also be like your upbringing, what you, what your experience is. Like it's a makeup of a lot of things in your life and you get to decide what that is. And like, for me, it all starts like kind of knowing your roots, knowing where you come from. And I think there's a lot of people, a lot of black and brown folks. I know a lot of Latinos probably don't even know where they come from and the roots and all the history behind where we come from in our countries. I'm like, it's just it's hella complex, like hella. So I can't even imagine being biracial and having these two different identities and being raised in the hood, like how it all kind of comes in together and how it encompasses who you are. But as a brown woman, I'm just like, dang, like, I could see that for you. And you do rep it. Again, you are raw on social media. I see it all the time. And I'm just like, you really own this part of you. But I want to start from the beginning of your story. And this kind of goes into kind of before you, right? Like, do you know your parents' immigration story? Do you know where they come from? Are you kind of, are you, you know, culturally aware and educated on on your Egyptian side and your Guatemalan side? I would say generally-ish. <laughs> I'm gonna use the word ish because I know that my dad, I know my dad came here when he was 15 from Cairo. I know he came here like, uh, like with the papers and all that. Um, I know that my mom came here when she was 19. I think she waited to come here. Um, and they actually met at LACC. They both tried to go to college when they got here. It didn't work out, but they both tried to go to, uh, I think it's Los Angeles Community College. I'm so yeah. sorry. Do you, do you hear that in the background? I'm sorry. I do. <laughs> it's actually, it's this is, I actually want to say, like, I love stuff like this because that's the cucaracha and that's like the truck. That yeah, I, mean, I was just thinking that. <laughs> like, like aligned, me talking about, aligned. me talking about that I'm from the hood and the cucaracha comes and makes a visit. Like, that's so key dope. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. The authenticity, though. The authenticity. For real. For real. And then your dad came from. They both met. You said at at a city college, right? Yeah. Um, and then the, and then my mom got pregnant, and then all that good stuff. She ended up having three girls. It's three of us. Um, same mom, same dad, and we're all. Um, yeah, we're all here. <laughs> Um, but the, the thing that I want to bring up is that even though me and my sisters have the same mom and dad and we grew up in the same house, we actually all identify differently. And that's so interesting to me. Um, mm. How do they like identify, if you don't mind me asking? No, that's definitely okay. Definitely why I brought it up. Um, Sade, my sister, identifies as black. Um, and that's really interesting because like growing up now, now that I'm an adult, people are like, don't you identify as black? You're Egyptian. And I'm like, uh identity is a little more complex right race is a little more complex than that like i don't have black features like things like that um but my sister her name was Shade. she always had like tighter curls she's always been darker than us like she feels like she had a black experience in america versus myself who's like lighter and has like uh like wavy hair or whatever it is or like all these different things um and then my sister jasmine uh she identifies as brown as well so maybe it is similar to myself yeah no that's crazy and again it feels like you get to you get to really like decide what your identity is based on your experience, right? So it's like your sister Shade, which I love that name by the way. It reminds me of Shade, the singer. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean like her experience is different and like that just I mean that just goes into a whole different discussion of the complexities of race in this country and like your experience is based off the color of your skin, right? But I think Going back to your story, your your parents came here, they had you, and then I I wanna because you're you're so passionate about repping Pasadena, about repping your hood, repping your city, and that's why I think I love your content so much. And like I think again, like I said before, we need more women like you because you are an example of what it's like to give back to your hood. And I think there's this like there's this misconception of like you were raised in the hood, but you like your your goal is to leave the hood and like make it big, right? Quote unquote. And that's definitely how I grew up. It was like little income housing, Southeast San Diego. And it was like, you got to get out of here type of thing. Like you got to make it big. You got to go get educated. You got to go, you know, get a good job and, and live somewhere nice. And like, that was kind of the, I would say like American dream for my immigrant family, you know? But yeah. I think like, again, I look up to you because you are all about giving back and repping it and like advocacy and, and activism and all those things. But all, all that to say, was that always how you were growing up? Or like, what was the turning point for you to be like, no, I need to, I need to rep my city? I would say that definitely not. I don't think that um, I was always like that. I, I think that I was, when I was in high school, I was like, I gotta get out of here. Like, I know that I fought a lot and I know that I was impacted by like community violence. And I know that I was really impacted by a lot of things around me. And I was like, I need to go to college. Like, I saw my sister go to UCLA and I was like, I need to get out of here and experience something different. Um, and I did that. And I was like, I do not need to come back to my community. Like I was very much like, I need to get out. Um, just like everyone's mindset, they teach us like, you need to get out the hood to make it. And I realized, I realized while I was in college, like I was helping out so many other hoods. Like, I was working in San Jose in a hood. I was working in Oakland in a hood. I was working in San Leandro in a hood. Like, how about my own hood? Like I'm literally saying I'm getting away from my hood, but I'm working in the hood. So it was like, it was like, what? Mm -hmm. um, so I think I kind of, I think I took a step back and I was like, I really want to serve my community. When I started understanding like inequality, inequity, 
um, just like the hood. I was like, oh my God, I love where I'm from. Like this place is the shit, I gotta get back. I gotta go back there like and live there. And, and imagine if we all thought like we gotta get out of here and we never, no one ever thought like, let's build up the hood. Let's invest in the hood. Let's own the block. Let's buy the block. Imagine if no one did it, we would just continue these same circumstances for generations and generations, which is mm-hmm. happening. That's, I love that girl. And I know you were, you went to San Jose state. Is that where you were? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I think like, it's just for you being, being in this spot and giving back to your community is just like, girl, it's everything. And I'm just like, yes, we need, again, like you said, we need more of that because it would be the same cycles. I still have family members who live in the hood and I still see those same cycles. There's, there's a way to get out and experience the world, but also be okay with coming back. Right. And giving back exactly to your point like um i think that we can leave and we can go get an abundance of resources and access and i can travel but how about if i bring that back like i'm bringing all of that i learned in six years seven years back to my community like here's the here's the knowledge here's the access here's the resources i got when i was gone like i gotta share these with y'all so i'm like basically like when you gain access you could bring your community literally physically with you like um you can bring (laughs) one of my students just passed by um, but you can bring your community actually like with you on your journey and bring back everything. And I think that's so powerful, like so powerful. And going back to you as a kid, I want to like kind of like paint a picture for us of what it was like for you to grow up in Pasadena. So I was actually, I grew up in LA in Frogtown for a little bit. I moved over here when I was like seven. So that was a very brown community in LA. I mean, there was a lot of uh, violence, or, like community violence. So my mom moved us. She thought Pasadena was what everybody thinks Pasadena is, which is a beautiful city that the Rose Bowl is in and the Rose Parade. But she didn't mm-hmm. live in the hood here too. So, Girl, okay, okay. Let me just say that's what I looked at Pasadena as, and I was like, I think you and Tiffany Nguyen, shout out. I think you both educated me on what Pasadena really looks like, and I was like, damn, I would have never known. Like, I would have never known. Yeah, like people don't know that. Like, I mean, every neighborhood has a, a hood and has a ghetto, quote unquote, or but like Pasadena is not the Rose Bowl and the Rose Parade. That is a part of it. But there is also Northwest Pasadena, which is experiences all the traumas and all the under-resourcedness and all the marginalizedness that any hood experiences. So um, yeah, we ended up moving here. My mom thought we would be all good. She moved us on top of a hill. Mom, I'm not gonna stay up here on this hill. Like I was in the hood every day. I went to John Muir, which is like the hood high school. Um, so it was like, it was just funny, like to think that my mom thought we were just gonna like disappear. And then I was gonna <laughs> say the difference, <laughs> the difference between Frogtown and Pasadena is Frogtown is very brown, and then Pasadena is very black and brown. Um, yeah, and that's a mm-hmm. that was a very big difference, I think, even in my identity and shaping me, um, that I was around blackness and brownness and like the mixture of that um, and how that shapes you when you're in the hood. First, like if I was in an all brown community, I'm sure like I would turn off completely different. And peeling back the layers of your identity, because you kind of, you know, you told us that you identify as a brown woman. And it's also like a vulnerable topic for you, right? Because of just the fact that you're biracial and your experience and all those things. But like in your childhood growing up in the hood, how did, I mean, I know as kids, we don't even think about identity really, but like, you know, as a kid where, you know, and living in black and brown communities, where did you feel yourself fit in and how did your identity really shift or become clear as a kid? 
to be honest, I think it got more confusing as a kid. I will say, um, I knew that I was, I knew that I was brown. I knew that my mom spoke Spanish. I knew, but then I would go to my Muslim side, my Egyptian side, and I'd be like, "All right, this don't feel." I, I'm confused. Um, but I was gonna say, and I also grew up like, I grew up in a black church, um, and I grew up like all these different complexities that I think I was navigating. But I will say, I think growing up in the hood, to answer your question, I think that I was like trying to understand what that meant and i would try to tell people like hey i'm egyptian like hi <laughs> sorry another another student just passed by um i'm actually at my homegirl's house but my students live next door but um oh yeah so think, cute <laughs> but i think that um i think that i became confused because i would hang out with brown people um and then i would say the n-word and then <laughs> um i would and then i would be checked on that but then i would be called a I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but Egyptians are sometimes called like San N-words. And I'm talking about like San N-N-I-G-G-E-R, like with the E-R at the end. Um, so oh, I'd be called what? That. I never heard that. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a San N-word. So I used to be called that. And then people would tell me I couldn't say the N-word. And then people would be like, you're black, duh. Like, and then I'd be like, I'm confused. And then I'd be like, no, I know that I speak Spanish. So I feel like I'm saying all that to say, like, I think- Damn. I think that it like almost created more confusion in my mind. Like I knew I was one thing, but then I was like, but how about all these other things? Like, I don't, I didn't know how to process it as a kid. And I think as, as an adult, that's why I feel so vulnerable about, vulnerable about it. And that's why I like, I think I told you, like, I just want you to know, like, this is a very vulnerable topic for me. Like I still to this day, I don't think I'm a hundred percent clear, but I know no matter what, I'm a brown woman. And that feels very solid in my heart and that feels good. But yeah, hopefully that answers your question. No, it does. It does. And I, I'm curious because I think a lot of people, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but I think one of my experiences and a lot of folks that I know in my family, we grew up in the hood, but we didn't realize it was a hood until we left it. And it was like, oh, like there's more resources out here. And like, it's a different type of lifestyle. You're introduced to a lot of different people and different ways of living and like for me, I grew up in, again, Southeast San Diego in a, in a bubble. Like I grew up in my community and it was my community. And then I go to a school and it was 70%, you know, Latinos in the school. And then it just felt normal. It was life. Right. And then once we moved out, I was like, damn, there's a lot more out there in the world that I had no idea. So I think for you, was it already clear to you? It's like, yeah, we're living in the hood as a kid. Or did you have to leave in order to see oh shit, like there's more resources out here too. I, I love that you said that because that is so real. Like the fact that you said, I didn't know that we were living in the hood. Like I didn't either. I didn't know that this was like, yeah. I, thought, like, I thought everyone I thought everyone just lived similar. Like I was like, yeah, everyone lives kind of similar mm -hmm. to this. Like you kind of just, you're not even thinking and processing. Like I knew there was racism. I knew that, that there was like, I knew that we didn't have a lot of money, but I didn't understand it. Like the hood is not, like it is not, the thing that everyone grows up in so when I went to San Jose State I was like I felt so out of place first off I was like who are these people why do they talk like this <laughs> how do they know so much <laughs> like how do how are these people know like Girl, what yeah. kind of education what kind of education these people get because I didn't get that education like I'm I'm intelligent as hell but um I think I was like felt so out of place and I was like no one feels like home here and I think uh, I actually found two women who, or three women who were from Pasadena there. And I, they felt like the only thing that felt like home for me. Um, I think I just felt like, I don't think I realized at the time, like 
no one here is from the hood. So I just felt extremely like out of place until I started realizing like, oh, we I took child developing classes and people in there used to be like talking about their childhood. And I'm like, what did y'all grow up like? Because this sounds very different. <laughs> like so different or I would talk about my experiences and I could see like like white folks in class being like damn like what the hell did you go through or feel bad for me and I'm like don't feel bad for me I'm happier than you but I did go through some stuff like oh my god yeah. can you just repeat that for a second because one thing oh my god I'm gonna I'm be hella vulnerable with you but there was a moment where this this woman that I was working with she was a white woman she was like you know, like Jasmine, I'm so inspired by you because she's like, you came from nothing and you built yourself up to this like, and I was like, wait, 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 hold up. I didn't come from nothing. Like I came from abundance. I came from like resourcefulness, from resilience. Like I came from a lot of things. Like I don't look back at my childhood and look and see like, I don't see all the stuff we didn't have. I see all the things I did have that a lot of people didn't, right? Like I had community, I had love, I had like my family. And so I'm like, when people okay. say that, it really feels like they're they're like showing some pity. And I'm like, don't pity me. Like I lived a happy life. I had the best childhood, like not even going to lie. <laughs> For real. Like I'm like, I be telling people like, you can feel bad that I grew up in the hood, but the, the hood is where magic happens. The hood is where we create beauty with so little. And that is fire. That is something you can never do. Like that is something folks that never experienced that can never, ever do. They don't know what to do and they don't have money. And I'm like, I thrive when I don't have money because I'm fine. I know what to do. Like I, I made it. Like I know that was that was my whole lifestyle. Like I saw my parents struggle, work three jobs, and like they were never called entrepreneurs, but they built all these businesses themselves because they had to make ends meet, you know. But yes, yet we glorify these other entrepreneurs. Where I'm like, that goes back to the hood because they had to do those things. Like it's not because they chose to leave the nine to five. It's because they literally didn't have those opportunities. But anyway. I, I, got I, <laughs> I got chills again as you were talking because I think that folks like don't see our communities like black and brown people in the hood as like entrepreneurs and all these like labels and all these like things that we glorify and we're like oh my god we got to be that but like do y'all know how much like we have hustlers here that that do so much more than these folks who are CEOs I'm like do y'all know mm -hmm. the things that we build out of nothing do y'all know like it's almost I don't know. I feel really passionate about this, but it's almost like inspiring to me when I see my people. I drive in these streets of Pasadena and I see my people and I smile because I'm like, look at you, like, look at you out here. Like you were, you were, this was like created for you to fail. And you're out here just like happy, thriving, laughing, have your own business. You, you out here selling this at the corner. Like we see you, like we see you like doing what you have to do. And I don't know that part like really gets me like, and I'm even thinking about you, like, Look at you out here, like you have your whole podcast. Like, what? That lady feels bad for you, honey. Can you do a podcast? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but like, I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, girl. I appreciate that. No, but it's true. I mean, I think it it took me a long time. I don't, and it sounds like it was kind of your same experience, but it really took me, you know, to leave the hood and really like experience life outside of it and really just again build my own life and like navigate the world as someone who, again, didn't realize that I came from poverty, low income, and like that people would not drive by our street because they were intimidated by it or they were scared of it. Like, I didn't know any of those things until I left. And I was like, oh, shit, really? Like, <laughs> that was that was my that was my everyday norm, you know. And I think like it took me a long time to kind of come to the fact of 
everything I know now, every, every soft skill that I have, everything that makes me a quote unquote, a, an amazing professional, a hard worker, it all goes back to how I grew up. I grew up in an immigrant undocumented community, black and brown community. And they all taught me creativity because they had to create things again, like you said, out of nothing resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. I'm like, give me a low budget. I can create a bomb ass event because I know what it's like to create something out of low resources out of nothing. And yeah. it's like you you learn how to navigate the world in, in abundance because your parents had to do that. I, I look at my parents yeah. all the time and I'm like, I don't know how you guys raised seven kids in a mm-hmm. low income community. Like I will never know what that struggle was like, like ever, <laughs> like cleaning yeah. houses, building other businesses, creating businesses and like just doing the work that no one wants to do. No one wants to clean toilets. No one wants to build stuff like People again, like I, everything that I know now that makes me who I am, it goes back to how that. I grew up. I love that so much. For real, like it's crazy when we get. I always call it downloads from the ancestors or like from the higher power. Like sometimes I speak and I'm like, I've never said that before. I don't even know if I've ever thought that before, but it just came out. So it sounds like it came from my ancestors. So you probably were having some downloads right now. Like you just hit, you just have to so for real, for so real. But I think again, I, it's. We just have this, I always say sazon because that's what my mom, that's what a lot of Latinos use as their ingredient to, to make their food good. But I feel like we just have this sauce about us where it's like, literally this world was not built for people like us. And it's like, we're navigating the shit out of it. Like, yeah. you know, and I, I always look at my parents and I'm like, you taught me how to do this. Like you taught me how to navigate this world, like without them even really giving me lectures on it, but they just, they just did life. And I like learned from them. And so I think like, again, when we start to realize that our power really does come from where we come from, like going back to our roots, going back to how we grew up, our upbringing, even our ancestors, we really get to tap into that power. And I'm like, then you know what you bring to the table, then know what you're like unshakable, you know, then you're like unstoppable. So I think like owning where you come from, again, that's why I'm inspired by you. That's why I'm happy to have you on here. Cause I'm just like, yes, like you embody all these things for me. I appreciate that. And, and um, I'm, I'm inspired by you right now. Like just even talking, like, I know that we lived together for a little bit, but I feel like I still didn't get to know you fully. So it's so dope hearing like you see, you see the beauty in like your upbringing and you see the beauty in like what your parents did and you see the hustle and like, I don't know, it's, it's like really beautiful to hear. So I appreciate you sharing as well. Yeah, we really didn't like talk much. Again, I said when we lived together, like I was just going through it. <laughs> I was going through it. And the thing is, this is like something, this is trauma, right? I think a lot of my family, like when they went through things, they never really talked about it. And especially in like our culture, for me, like it wasn't like you don't talk about things going on in the house. You don't like vulnerability mm-hmm. isn't welcomed and all those things are not part of how we grew up. And so for me, like when I was going through it, I just shut down and like emotionally, you know, I was like hella numb, but I was still, I felt like I was like living, but like living a really like dull, like lifeless type of life. And it's just like, that's when you met me. And I was like, that's not a good like representation of who I am. (laughs) Yeah. Like I really tapped into that vulnerability, but I think like for you, you really are big on a lot of things that I care about, like self-love and your health and like nature your spirituality like your ancestors your practices like all those things that you you just really embody you're you're all about it on social media I know it's it's just part of who you are and then like my question for you is like when did that start to become a priority in your life and when did you start to use those things to help you get grounded um 
when I went on my self-love journey, I had two self-love journeys. One was in 2013 and girl, 2013, I fell into, so I had a back accident from hiking. I fell into like, I had a really bad breakup. I fell into like my worst depression I've ever experienced. Like I've never experienced depression in that way and anxiety in that way. Like it was like really hard to get, get out of bed and I didn't understand. And obviously I, I also had a back accident. So they gave me pain meds that were super terrible. Western medicine is horrible for you. Like that contributed to the depression. Like just so many things. Um, where I started realizing like, oh shit, I need help. Like I need real help. So I like, I um, found therapy on campus, on San Jose State's campus. It was low key trash. It was a white woman. She didn't understand anything about me. She didn't understand my experience in the hood. It was not exciting, but it was a space for me to talk. Um, I, I joined like an anxiety group. Like I was super proactive. Like I started go- doing meditations. Like I was like, Nadia, you need to heal this because it was, you know what it felt like? It felt like my whole life trauma, people are speed races. It felt like my whole life trauma hit me at one time. I swear, it was like the hardest thing I've ever felt. But I will say, mm. um, I just got- And what do, you, what do you mean by your whole life trauma? I wanna um, unpack that. Like, I think my sexual abuse, like I, I experienced sexual abuse uh, growing up, so I'm a survivor. I think something else that comes to mind is, um, why can't I think about this? Oh, my cycle with men, like I, I had a cycle with men. Like I was in relationship after relationship. Like I never realized I had an attachment to men. Um, like so many things that mm-hmm. I just wasn't, I wasn't processing or I was fighting a lot. Like that's hella violence on my body that I didn't even realize. Like just so many traumas that just were normal. Um, and I, I think they all hit me at one time and I was like out of it, but it took me a full year. It took me 15 months. I was celibate. I became plant-based in that time. Um, I med- started meditating, like went to therapy, like all these different things that I tried to do to like get out of that. Um, and after 15 months, I felt like a whole new person. Um, I was still navigating things. I was still healing, but I never seen that version of myself. Like I glowed differently mm. after that journey. Um, and, and that I was say, in 2013, you, know, you said? Yeah. And then my second one was kind of like 2018 when I graduated from uh, grad school or 2019-ish. Uh, when I graduated, I literally quit all my jobs or like I quit. I did nothing for three months and it was the most liberating thing. Like I lived off of like, I have a Tesla. So I lived off of like some Tesla. They gave you reimbursements for getting a Tesla. I lived off that for some months. Like, and I was like, I am... I don't know. I just quitting and doing nothing and spending time in nature and realigning and healing and not being overly productive was one of the most freeing experiences and liberating experiences like ever. Like it, it made me tap into like who I really am at my core. And and it's kind of what you're saying. Like it is that girl that you see on Instagram who's in nature all the time. It's that cat mom of five or it's that, um, <laughs> it's all those like the crystals I learned about them during that time or like I started doing energy cleanses. Um, so I think through those two journeys, like they really like changed my life, like fully, fully changed my life. Wow. That's so crazy. And did, did this one in 2018, was it triggered just by you graduating? Cause I, I think sometimes like self love journeys are triggered by a lot of different things, right? Whether it's just a transition in your life or something happens like your accident or it's just like you're forced to go into that self love, maybe a breakup or whatever the case may be. 
for you, was it that second time? Was it just like grad school, like a new transition in your life where you're like, damn, she got her master's? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if I fully processed it yet, but I think I think I had really like negative experiences with working. Like I've, I've experienced some really foul shit at work. Like I've experienced hella like racism, hella like so much shit that is impacting my spirit. Like I've been fired due to like teaching like real history. Um, I've been like, just like very traumatic experiences at work. And I, I honestly think that that was like building up a little bit in, in addition to grad school. Like I was trying to like be this strong person. It's like, girl, just rest. Um, so I feel like I had the privilege to rest. But I feel like we shouldn't even have, it shouldn't be a privilege to rest. We should be able to rest when we need to. Um, but having three months off was, I feel like grad school, I don't know if you know this, but I used to, uh, after I lived with you actually in the Bay, I actually moved back down to LA and flew up to school every other week. And that I do, is a girl, lot. I remember that. I remember that. That is a lot. Nobody understands that is too much for your spirit. You cannot be doing that. But so I think being overly like busy, the oppressive like spaces at work, I think all of those things like hit me at once. And I was like, okay, Nadia, you're going to need to like, realign fully so i think that's what led to it and i want to i want to go into something that you mentioned and i i feel like i remember this when i first met you because i was like we need people like that teaching real history but you said you got fired for teaching real history like if you don't mind i'd love to unpack that and hear about that experience because i i already have so many opinions about the the education system but i would love to just kind of unpack that with you so our education system is trash. That's that's pretty yeah. <laughs> um, so I was they gave me a history book, and it's kind of crazy because I was learning about history while I was reading that book because I didn't really have, I didn't really pay attention like that. I wasn't really present in school. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> there's this kid on this little stick, you know those like pogo sticks or whatever they're called. I don't know what they're called, but it's a funny. Yeah, thing. I hear him. I was <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> I'm gonna tell him the name right now. Um, dead. <laughs> this is like the funniest thing but um so I, they gave me a history book the history book was like filled with lies it was like it was like the native folks gave their land happily to uh, christopher columbus and they all cheered and celebrated like what are y'all talking about like so i told my kids like let's read this book and let's unpack it let's just read this book and let's let's talk about why it's <laughs> lying to you why why are we like why are they lying to you so that was some stuff there was some other lies in there but it got so bad that the principal she was a white woman of course and uh she started she put a camera in my room so i wouldn't teach she told me not to go off the book she put a camera in my room she put a lot like another white lady in my room so that i wouldn't teach anything real um like she started wilding like i was like i was like this but it taught me so much it taught me like literally that this is the lengths that white people go to and other people as well like to protect white supremacy people go to, mm -hmm. to extreme lengths and I, it, I was I never really understood what white supremacy was until I had that job no I you know what this is reminding me of too like I think of insecure we got y'all mm. the organization in there I'm just like <laughs> I really just I'm thinking that I'm like there's always that one person that's like really it's the only person of color and it's like everyone else that either one is trying to just like fit in and understand you know like I mean, I don't even know. I think it's like all performative, but they try to understand where you're coming from and this, the community that they're serving. But it's also people who 
just don't get it. Like, I, I feel like that white woman, it's just pure ignorance. Like, they taught us bullshit. Like, why can't y'all teach us, like, about our people? Like, why not? Like, I want to mm -hmm. understand, why am I here? What are we doing here? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> Tell me more. Well, the, so. yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing that I feel like I really had to come into in the last couple of years was, like, my own history. Because I'm like, we, you know, my parents, they know about their history of, like, we're from Honduras, so also Central America. And it's like, I never even, even really knew like about all the influences that are Mayan ancestors and like how my, my dad has strong indigenous roots and my mom does too. And like, I'm like, I didn't even know this. Like, like y'all never, y'all never told me any of this. And like, it just, it's not something I feel like we're not really told our history. And that's, it's really, really, it's tough. Like it's really tough. And I can't even imagine for other folks, I think like I had a, a a woman on here. She's also black and brown on on the podcast, Jasmine Fuego, and she talked about how she doesn't know how to trace back her black roots. And she's like, that's something that black people are not afforded in this country. They don't know how to trace back their roots. Like we don't have that privilege. Like you know, just thinking about the the topic of identity and how complex it is and like that's why a lot of people like again like you talking about teaching real history i'm like people we need people like that that are really going to teach us about the truth man Hell so yeah. much so much to unpack <laughs> it comes with so much to when you are like trying to change when you are trying to like fight white supremacy or trying to do anything to like resist the status quo it is so difficult for you like they try to come for your spirit they try to come for so much um and it's 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 really hard on your mental health like it is really really difficult so i hear everything you were saying i hear you so much and i think this is a good segue into our i say cafecito and cheese portion because it's really about like what you're up to now but i think like how has your life shifted from from there into what you're doing now so i think the only way that i was able to like work again it was I'm able to work at my high school and like being in my high school is the only place that feels like home. Like I literally don't want to work anywhere else. And I'm also a professor at the community college, which is dope too. Like I'm half and half at the community college and at the high school, this little kid. <laughs> but yeah, I'm currently doing those two things, professor and kind of like counselor at my high school. And then I, another thing that I'm trying like creatively doing is like, I've been trying to do photography. So like, I don't call myself an educator anymore. I call myself a storyteller because educator is more attached to a career. And I think storyteller is attached to like my purpose on this planet. Um, like one of my purposes, I just feel like I've been doing photography literally to storytell. Like how do I document black and brown people in my city? Like how do I document how dope we are? How do I document like how much, even the way that we dress, just our sauce, everything. Like, so I've, I've been um, like investing in some film cameras and having fun with that. Like that has been, so dope for my spirit like for my like for my chakra like my sacral chakra to even open up and give me the gift of creativity like i feel like i see visions and everything now like now i'm like oh my god like i look at this light pole and i'm like oh that would be dope to do this on and it's so fun like being creative is so freeing like so fun and freeing so yeah i was gonna say i did see you did a photography shoot or a photo shoot with nails and i was like yes <laughs> you feel me like telling stories of the fire nails we had growing up shout out to black women because black women are really what got nail the nail game started like the actual long nail with a design started out here in, in in general in the hood but i was gonna say um 
something else that I've been up to that I did want to mention is I'm a I started an org with like other black and brown people called Hood Liberation. That is like part of my heart. Like being a part of a, a group of dope people doing liberating like li- liberation work is so dope, so next level. And what do you guys do uh, with with Hood Liberation? Because I have seen it, and I do want people who are listening in to follow, to to become fans, to become supporters, to do whatever they can to be a part of it. But what exactly, you know, do you guys do in, in Hood Liberation? So we literally help the hood in different ways. We help our people in different ways of Pasadena. Right now we do Pasadena, Altadena. We hope to expand, but um, we have been planning a market to highlight black and brown people in Pasadena and Altadena, like literally to highlight businesses. Um, gentrification has been hitting every hood so much. So we want to like help our people stay in our community in different ways. So we have events. Um, we're fundraising right now so we could even do stuff because you need money to do stuff sometimes. Um, but if anybody wants Girl. to follow us, yeah. <laughs> if anyone wants to follow us, we're at Hood Liberation. Um, we would appreciate that. Um, and and um, yeah, y'all can follow the journey. Y'all can contribute in any way. I don't know why I'm blanking about things we've done, but well, I'm sure they can see it on the page too. Yeah. So there, no there worries. You go. There you go. No worries. And also, one last question because I just want to know the tea. But is there someone <laughs> special in your life? Are you, are you? Do you have relationships? Like, you know, how's your love life going? <laughs> Girl, it's crazy. I really like this question because when you, are special, <laughs> when you are special in the world, I feel like it takes some time to really connect with somebody. Like, because I have so many gifts and wisdom mm-hmm. and I've always been ahead of my time, it's like, I went on a date the other day. It's like, I feel like I won't settle like i can't settle i I really need to say this i Mm. cannot settle i don't even have the the luxury to settle because i have generations after me that are literally going to look up to my relationship and my my uh my family that i create and like that is going to be the next generation so i don't have the luxury Mm -hmm. to settle um and i say all that to say no there's no one special in my life currently um i am going to continue to be very selective if y'all feel like you want to turn in an application do that I'm just kidding. yeah <laughs> but- <laughs> like follow her on ig <laughs> dm her give it a try shoot your shot <laughs> yeah but it's just crazy because i'm like i just don't get impressed by regular stuff no more like Y'all can tell me I'm Girl. beautiful, but I, I already know that I'm beautiful. Like that, That's how you know you've been through some self-love. Like, tell me something new. Like, talk about my energy. Like, teach me something because I'm just, I'm bored with these people out here. Like, I'm bored. So I know that I truly believe in my heart that um, the universe will send me someone when my spirit is ready for someone. But I'm also into, like, non-traditional relationships. So that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic. But, yeah, that's my, <laughs> that's my relationship life. All right. All right. We won't go too deep into it, but I appreciate you sharing the last question and then we'll jump into our closing. But the last question is how people can connect with you. How can they hit you up? How can they see your content and consume your content? How can they just become a fan? So or Or a potential. I mean, who knows? (laughs) You're so funny for that. Um, I... I have an Instagram. That's my main thing. Um, I'm hella cool and casual. So if, even if you DM me, I'll be like, hey, here's my number. Like, let me help you out through that or whatever it is. But uh, my ad name is Miss El Hawari. So M-S-E-L-H-A-W-A-R-Y um, is my last name. It's Egyptian. Um, but yeah, it uh, hit me up on there. I'm hella cool. Like, genuinely, I'm not like 
about to leave you in my DMs for three months um, or in the request or none of that. Yeah, I can vouch for that. You're hella cool. But our our closing, this is the last part of the show, and it's really to just manifest some good for our communities and like really just take a moment to to put it out there in the universe, to voice it, to manifest it, to all those things. But we're gonna do a brindis. I don't have I only have my water with me because I'm trying to drink more water. <laughs> but let's close with the virtual cheers. I don't know if you have something to drink. It's okay if you don't. But we'll just go in and the question for you is really what you want to cheers to and what you want to manifest for our community. When people tell me like to make my birthday wish I take so long. This is me again. <laughs> but um, I want to manifest within our community that our people continue to heal and keep our spirits high no matter what's going on, no matter during the pandemic, no matter during the uprisings. I hope that our people um, find ways to find joy and happiness throughout all the world's chaos. That's for our community. And then I, for myself, I want to manifest um, just so I continue to heal, um, that I continue to find ways to be liberated. And I want to actually start some type of business so that I'm not attached to the education system. So I am manifesting that I will start some type of um, business. And that is my manifestation. Mm, yes, girl. Brown women building empires. I love it. Period. Period. <laughs> Period. Cheers, girl. Thank you so much for being on here, for being vulnerable, for being you. Like, I I just appreciate you so much. I appreciate you too, for real. This is a hella organic conversation and I hella appreciate it for not feeling like an interview and you're doing your stuff with your podcast. Know that because you make people feel very comfortable. Um, Big love and big shout out to Nadia. Mama, thank you for sharing your story with us and for being so raw on social, in life, and during this conversation. Connect with Nadia on Instagram at Miss El Hawari and follow her IG page at Hood Liberation to learn more about Pasadena. Connect with me on Instagram at Ojasma4As, Twitter at Odalis Jasmine, and find me on LinkedIn. And check out my website, odalisjasmine.com. Con mucho amor, tu amiga hondureña. And stick around to hear from my sponsor and partner, Chris Gates, co-founder of Rizon. Gente, what's up? This is Chris Gates. I had the pleasure of being Odalis' guest in the Cuba Through My Eyes episode of this amazing podcast. Today, I want to invite you to a free month's membership to my startup, Rise On. Founded by two first-gen Latinos, Rise On is like taking a Zumba class for your mental and emotional health. Our mission is to build humans from the inside out, and we help first-gen folks just like you to grow and to heal. So whether you're struggling with life's challenges or just thirsty for a community to help you grow, Rise On is for you. Every week, we create a space for mindful introspection in community. That's what you get when you mix mindfulness, journaling, coaching, and vulnerable conversations. It's a space to be seen authentically, to develop self-awareness and build inner skills alongside a group of inspiring peers. 
Our goal is to help you to tap into your own power consistently, to find perspective, clarity, and direction anytime you need it. Over the past two years, we've designed hundreds of experiences for our clients to do just this. These are entrepreneurs and young professionals who trace their roots to some 20 countries. Folks who, despite being brilliantly talented and looking like they got it all together from the outside, are working through some real life challenges. So join us. We'd like to invite every listener of this podcast to experience a Rise On membership for free for an entire month. That includes our weekly Rise On sessions, live and online, plus on-demand mindfulness content and daily community support. To activate your free month Rise On membership, visit www.riseon.life. That's R-I-S-O-N dot L-I-F-E. Riseon.life. Mi gente, let's rise on. Thank you.